This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 406 of the Stable Scoop Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Horselovers.com and you, our auditors. This week, we have Nick Snap stopping by for his productivity tip of the month, talking about ways to handle your massive email load. Also, Avery Morgan is our listener of the week, and we get a review from Coach Jen of the Latia Hexpad on our Tack and Habit segment, brought to you by Horselovers.com. Welcome to the Stable School, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. This is Glenn the Geek. And I'm Samantha Clark, and you're listening to the Stable Scoop Show on the Horse Radio Network. Samantha! Glenn! It's so good to have you back and hear that lovely voice again. It's great to be back. Thank you for asking me. Helena is off this week. She had to go to a graduation, and uh, I needed a last-minute fill-in, and I thought, I haven't talked to Samantha in forever. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's true. All of that is true. <laughs> Actually, since Rolex, we saw each other just recently, but it's been a long time since we did a show together. Yes, and here we are. For new so. listeners, Samantha and I did the second show, I think it was, in the Horse Radio, wasn't it? Like the second show? Yep. The 2010 radio show. We just figured it out. It was eight years ago we started that show, and that was about the 2010 WAG. We were together every week and many, many appearances, actually, around Lexington. We both lived there then. And then we spent 16 days together in Kentucky, had a lot of fun. We got to watch every event. So much fun. (laughs) I was just thinking about that the other day because, actually, funnily enough, I'm just – I just did a feature for our local NPR station about um, the legacy of WEG and uh, all the – you know, I think – there was something like a $197 million economic impact and and $97 million of that was direct impact from ticket sales and hotels and restaurants. But uh, the rest of that is still sort of trickling in. And, and, and some of that is from jumpers buying farms and, and moving here during the summers and based here. And so I've just been talking about that and thinking about that. And, and it was, it was great fun. We had such a good time. We did. We covered events that we didn't know we even cared about. Um, and, and it was so vaulting. funny. Vaulting. <laughs> and I actually loved vaulting. And the reason I loved vaulting is it was in the indoor arena. It was climate <laughs> controlled and pretty much I could get a nap in, in the afternoon. Uh, <laughs> cause we did a lot of walking, a lot of walking. It was fun. And then we would go downtown and do our show every night. We got to hang out with some really cool people. We're still in touch with a lot of the people we had. We actually had highlighted uh, athletes in every one of the sports, uh, and we still follow a lot of them and still see a lot of them. And Jessica Phoenix, we just saw her at Rolex. Yep. 
And she, look at her. We tried to pick people who had never been to a WEG before and who were up-and-comers, and we got a couple of them really right. So, yep. yeah, so it was uh, good. It was a lot of fun. And, Samantha, what about you? Uh, you're working for Eventing Nation currently, doing some writing. I do a little bit for Eventing Nation. I've gone back to our local NPR affiliate here in Lexington, Kentucky. I do a little bit of freelance here and there. I have two children, the same two children, and the same <laughs> that Labrador. Changed. It's so not that a different two changed. children. <laughs> <laughs> same children, same Labrador. That hasn't changed. And um, yeah. Life goes on. Now, Leo has to be getting up there in age because Leo the Labrador was our we celebrity Labrador. Yes, I mean, and he was a celebrity back in the old days. Yep, he's probably about 12 now. Really? Yep. Wow, that's good for a Labrador, isn't it? I think so. Although I did see someone the other day in the park and he had a 17 year old Labrador. So I'm crossing fingers that Leo makes it. Well, Leo is the most in shape Labrador ever because you drag him everywhere. Yeah. He, Leo has walked that cross-country course in Kentucky at the Kentucky Horse Park more than any of the riders ever have. Leo knows every inch of that park. I think between <laughs> him and Mick Costello, they could tell you a few things. <laughs> now, are you riding, or do you have any desire to get back into eventing? Samantha uh, used to event and compete in no, England. No, I ride every now and then um, on friends' horses. And then uh, I do... Uh, I mean, I went riding the other weekend and I had the most fun afternoon ever, but it took all day basically. And I realized this is why, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't commit to having a horse in my life at the moment because I'm the slowest person and it was heaven. We, we spent all day getting ready, going in the trailer, going for this wonderful trail ride, chatting away. It was, I mean, it was heaven. And then we came back and we washed the horses and we cleaned the tack and we turned them out. And, you know, but um, I would do that every day and I would, you know, spend even longer if I could, but, you know, real life interrupts that. So. Yeah, but see, most people eliminate the whole cleaning crap and all of that and they just go out and ride. Oh, but I love it. <laughs> I love every single, I love every bit of it. And, and I do remember when I, when my children first started school, I got a horse and thought, well, I'll just do it, you know, uh, on a, in a laid back way and just quietly. And, um, and I, it's impossible for me to be like that. Now, I resented you? it when the school would call and go, Miss Clark, your son is sick. You need to. And I was like, well, no, I can't because I haven't finished. <laughs> I, just want to I have to. I have to go. I have to do this. I have to gallop. I have to do dressage. I have to go. Home. So it, now, it's do, when not, the kids are out, do you do you expect you'll get back to it? Probably not. Not to competing, but maybe mm, owning a horse. I don't know. Never say never. I yeah. mean, I. I don't know. All these lovely off-the-track thoroughbreds that I keep seeing because I've been, I worked a little bit, TAA, the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance was the Rolex charity this year and yes. I helped them out a bit and I saw so many lovely horses and I did think, oh. It's dangerous to help charities like that. <laughs> and I've always had a soft spot for them and then I just thought, oh. And Lily this year actually, this summer is going to have an internship um, at the Maker's Mark Secretariat Center in the horse oh, park, cool. which is yeah. retraining race. So I'm, God knows How if I make it through this summer, she's 14 and a half. Wow. And so she's a I rider make, now, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, so if I make it through the summer without one, we'll see. Very cool. It's hard to believe she's Ask 14 me. and a half. She was a little <laughs> Ask kid. Me in September. <laughs> she was a little tiny tot uh, when, we got, when we first started together. God, if you see her now. Not a looks, little tiny tot anymore. <laughs> she's as tall as I am, if not taller. And yeah. Well, Samantha, it's good to Trouble. catch up with you. And I'm so glad that everything is going well in Lexington. Yep. 
Well, we are going to head over now to Nick Snap of the Make It Snappy Show with our productivity tip of the month. It's time for our productivity tip of the month with Nick Snap, host of the Make It Snappy Productivity Show. Well, hi, Nick. Welcome back. Thank you, Glenn. So good to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you back because we're talking about something that Samantha and I both decided we need help with. I get about 100 emails a day, and Samantha, you probably get a ton of emails with all of your various assignments and things you do during the I don't get 100, but I get more than I can deal with. I need help. Yes. <laughs> so everybody Excellent. out there listening going, oh, what do we do? And I've heard different people talk about email strategies, and I've tr- what happens is I try everything for a day, and then I forget the next day. So hopefully you're going to come up with something I can incorporate and use every day. Sure. And hopefully it's, I mean, it depends on how deep down this rabbit hole you want to go. I have all kinds of email strategies. It's a little bit of a hot button for me. Well, I think I'm pretty deep. I think we need, <laughs> we need to go deep. Samantha's flailing in the deep end, trying to grab the side of the pool. Well, yeah, absolutely. And recently I've actually began a process and it's been iterative iterative excuse me to outsource my email almost 100 percent. so we can get into that later but i'll start with the basics if that's okay with you yeah i'm uh i'm all for sending you my email for that (laughs) okay (laughs) well the first thing is thinking about email and that's the culture that's created around it and the expectations it's boundaries what boundaries are you setting especially if you're in a corporate setting and you're in an office what do you say to people when you respond to an email within 30 seconds? You've created a culture of immediate response, immediate gratification, and you can set up yourself for all kinds of influx of emails coming in over time that don't necessarily need to be in your inbox. So one of the first pieces of advice I give, and this isn't a new advice or anything that I really made up, but it's just so true and takes discipline though, Glenn and Samantha, is to not check your email as soon as you get up one on your phone. And then if you do work in an office setting, definitely don't boot up Outlook as soon as you get to your desk. That's the first trick. I just started shaking, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) And Samantha, I know Samantha too. She's checking her phone every two seconds. I check, but as soon as I hear that ping, I check. So that's one of the first cases. Then why do you have the ping on, I would ask. So that I can check as soon as it pings. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'll stop myself, like, from not answering immediately. But I'll try and answer as soon as possible. And then I was going to ask all the ones I'm supposed to, like, I've got a backlog of ones that I'm supposed to keep and either reply to or... Uh, remember, and then I've I've got so used to looking at them that I I've igno- I've just got used to ignoring them now. Sure, and ignoring is not a necessarily a bad thing, I guess, if you can remove yourself from the email and not always have it in the back of your mind. But most people can't do that. So if you check email in batches versus continuously throughout the day, one you're more efficient. And then the big thing about checking in batches is when you develop the mindset and the discipline to do it, email is no longer work. You have to dif- differentiate between email being work and actually doing work out of your inbox or, and processing. So if you're in your inbox, what I'd recommend is think about it as a processing situation where you're just banging through email as quickly as you possibly can and figuring out, and this is the tough, the tough part that so many people uh, get bogged down by, is it's hard to make decisions, isn't it? 
when these messages are coming in, you've got to decide what to do with them. And by leaving them in your inbox, you're pushing that decision off for later and then another decision, another decision, another decision until you finally get overwhelmed with all these different decisions that need to be made. But if you would have decided right off the bat when it came to your box or when you checked it in your batch, what to do with it and you put it into either a task manager or you made a note in your, your planner or whatever it is you use to figure out what to do with your day, you can prioritize and you regain that control. How does that make you feel? Oh, like a failure. You make it sound easy. <laughs> yeah, you know what happens? This is, and I, the, the reason I know I, I keep throwing Samantha, Samantha under the bus with me <laughs> is because we've worked together for a long, long time. And, sure. And, and we kind of work, we kind of both have ADD, and we work this similar, right? You know, am, I, am I right about that, Samantha? We worked together yes. for a long time. Sadly, yeah. <laughs> so, like if we were both in an office together, that would be bad. Because that would just be bad. But one of the problems I have is if I don't get to the email right away and actually answer it, you're never hearing from me. Mm-hmm. Because it's buried. You know, it's just buried. And I've tried to think and I you could go you're gonna come back at the end of this and say we both don't have any self discipline discipline and you'd be right. <laughs> so <laughs> the que- the thing is I try and put it in a folder. I actually I try and do folders, right? Mm-hmm. But then I never look at the folder again. So I have that problem, uh, and I have a folder that says follow-up, and it's the first folder on the list, so I don't have, it's not buried, it's right there and it says follow-up, and I, I mark them on red, and I put them up in the, in the follow-up folder, and guess what happens? You ignore it. They're nev- I never look at the follow-up folder again, because there's always 100 more <laughs> in the inbox. Well, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Then you're not alone, just reassure you that you're definitely not alone. So by, by ignoring them and, and doing the process you have now, what are the results of that? Oh, not good. I'm not answering emails that I should be answering, and there's stuff in there. And eventually I'll remember, oh, say wrote to me about something, and I go, go, you know, then I have to go search for it because I might have put it anywhere. Uh, and then I finally get around to answering it. So what I've found I do is answer emails immediately as soon as I see them, Mm-hmm. Just because if I don't, I'll never get to it. So then, and I don't think it's a bad strategy. I would just it's say it's not productive, that, though. Well, it can be if you're deliberate about when you check them. So I think one of the biggest tricks of this whole productivity thing is trying to set up some sort of infrastructure to game your future self because your future self is going to fail somehow. So thinking presently, how am I going to fail at this and how can I make it really, really difficult for me to check my email? There's, I mean, if you want to go the, the high-tech route, there's apps out there where you can only check your email during certain times of the day where it, it'll disable the, the functionality completely. So that's kind of a... Now Samantha's uh, shaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, one of, that's one of the routes. Um, you know, Dave Allen talks about making it really hard to get to, like taking the icon off your, your desktop and putting into one folder and another one after that, another one after that. So you got to click like five or six times so there's too much friction to want to check it more than two or three times a day. And that one actually is, is pretty effective. Uh, but yeah, just getting into that mindset of one, turning off the notification so you don't know it's there. And then just planning your day. I mean, Glenn and Samantha, if you have something to do that day and it's on your calendar and you don't think, you don't have to worry about email, you just go to your day knowing exactly what you want to execute, then email isn't your first tendency. Unless that, well, we talked about eating the frog, right? The last time we were on here. If you're eating your frog your frog is most likely not email. So if you know exactly what you're going to execute, then 
you're more likely to go and do something other than waste time on email. Where, what, what are you, Samantha, what, what are your problems with email? What do you run into? Well, like I think I use my inbox as my planner, but then I've got mm -hmm. so used to looking at the ones at the bottom of the list that I'm supposed to, I've, I'm keeping there because I'm supposed to respond at some point or they're not urgent that uh, I'm never, you know, like I just, I go to the top ones now. Okay, how many are in ones? your inbox? I want to know from both of you, Nick. Uh, I usually keep my inbox less than 20. And uh, Samantha? I've probably got between 20 and 40. I have 4,657. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that would make me break out in hives. <laughs> so, Dylan, there's a, really, there's a really easy solution. Just go ahead and wipe them out. Clean. I do once no, a you year. Can't. But I, then this year, there were so many in there that I know I need to give back to that I felt guilty archiving them. See, I do archive them. We use Gmail, so I do archive them because then sure. I can search for them anyway. Like, if there's somebody I remember I was supposed to get back to, I can at least search and still have the email. But you're right. I should do I just just archive them. So then maybe an outsourcing process, I can go through that a little bit. Yeah, it's it's yeah, actually like not a <laughs> difficult thing. And it's been iterative for me because I had a template filled out. I said, okay, well, there's three types of emails I get. There's action emails, there's information, informational emails, and there is um, offers. Somebody trying to sell me something. Uh, so I used to have a template that my VA would fill out and he'd put all the messages in there. And then I, I realized that I, I too was ignoring it. And I treated that almost like an inbox. So he'd, he'd shuffle them into the folders for me. And it just wasn't working out. So then I said, well, what can I do to make this guy think like me? So then I, I came up with a strategy to ask myself four questions. And I actually, for myself, documented the answers to these four questions on an Excel spreadsheet so that I, I could figure out how I think about this email stuff. So no matter what the message was, it took about 50 of them before I started seeing patterns. So the first question is, um, why do I care about this email? I had to ask myself that question. I actually physically typed out why I cared for it cared about receiving this particular message. The second question is, okay, well, what am I going to do with it? The third question is, and this is where it starts getting a little bit more powerful, is why can only I answer this? And the last one would be, gun, gun to my head, if I had to turn this over and have my VA respond on my behalf, what would he need to know in order to do this? So asking myself those four questions was really, really powerful, especially on the fourth one, because I realized that I can have him answer my email for me by asking that question of what would, I need, what would he need to know? And that allowed me to set up the guidelines, that fourth question. So now I have a set of email guidelines that I've turned over to my VA. So there's, there's certain things that I still answer if it's personally sent to me and it's not commercial email. It's not somebody, you know, I'm on somebody's list or whatever. It's actually Nick I'm sending this to you because then that does get put into a folder and it's just, it's very, in, in comparison to everything else out there, it's a very small number of messages that I get per day. Um, what do you think of that? It still makes me nervous. Yeah. <laughs> me too. <laughs> a lot of nerves, a lot of tension. Yeah. Why is it that email causes us this much tension? It shouldn't. It's electronic mail, you know? It's like it's, it was designed to be... But there's almost like this implied thing that if I email somebody or if they email me, we're going to get a damn answer or we're pissed. Sure. Right? Sure. So then how do you set the boundaries would be the question. Well, I, what you said earlier uh, is true is because I have gotten in the habit of answering it or I'm never going to, mm -hmm. People expect an answer immediately now. Whereas I know when I may email certain people, I am not going to get an answer for 
till afternoon or till evening or whatever. There's, you do, in your mind, come up with this thing with people that I know when they're going to answer my email. So now I've, I've set a bad precedent, haven't I? I would say, I wouldn't say a bad, I don't want to judge what you're doing and how you've not been, you're very successful. Oh, you can, you why do. not? Everybody else does. <laughs> but what I do, Glenn, is when I get a new client, it's one of the first things I say, if you really want to reach me, then I've created this folder in Dropbox just for you. This, this works for me. I, I see it on, on a, a frequent basis. I check my Dropbox regularly and we can communicate any questions that you have. If you want to email me, I'll get to it, but typically my response is within 48 to 72 hours. And I just, I just diffused that right away. And when I was in corporate, especially towards the end, I got into this hacking corporate kind of mode where that's the first thing I tell to new people that wanted to send me an email or get my address or something like that. I say, you can, but I typically respond faster this way by phone messaging. And typically people aren't going to want to, just because it's just too much friction. They don't want to deal with it. They just want to get it off their plate and send you an email so it's on your plate until you give it back to them. It's like a boomerang type thing. But if you, if you tell them, hey, you want to call me, then they really need to have a very, most likely a legitimate reason to call That's you, right? interesting. Are you better or worse, Samantha, at voicemails than emails? I'm, I'd much rather email than phone someone. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're both the same there, too. When I get voicemails, I'll read them because I get them, you know, the voice to text. So I, right. get an, I get an email <laughs> with my voicemail. Oh, man. <laughs> and then I read it. And I go, uh, okay, I'll get to that. And then because they didn't leave me an email address, I never get to those. Wow. So there's, there's a little bit of... Um... We really need psychiatric help, Samantha. <laughs> <laughs> well, can I offer one thing to really yeah. just help clear your inbox Please. out of some of the noise? Some of the yes. noise that'll, that'll immediately happen. And this is a great app. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it's just been a lifesaver for me. It's unroll.me. Have you subscribed to this service? No. What is it? Oh, Unroll.me is a godsend. So all these lists that we're on, you it, in one click of a button, if you subscribe to this, give them your email. You can give them as many email addresses as you want. It will give you the option to unsubscribe, one click, no joke, or add it to a daily roll-up, or third, keep in your inbox. The daily roll-up is great because, and you, we were talking about this earlier, Glenn, when you asked me if I received your email. I said, I think you went in my roll-up because there was some sort of part of that message that either had unsubscribe on it or something um, that caused it to go into a summary. So I'll typically get, just every day I'll get a summary, and it's really nicely laid out, almost like Trello is for the cards and things that they do. It's, it's illustrated where you see just a, a quick snapshot of what the email is, and you can actually read it right there as you scroll through these things. And if you want to read it, great. If not, it just it's out of your out of your mind, out of your inbox. And I through that service, I have unsubscribed to hundreds of email lists and I've rolled up hundreds as well. And I get that daily unroll.me and it's just so much easier to look at the email. You gotta check it out. It's a it's a great service. And I'm not an affiliate, I probably should be. Hmm. Interesting. I'll have to check that out. Definitely. That'll save you a lot of the hassle. Anything that has unsubscribe or manage your subscriptions, you know, the MailChimp, AWeber type stuff will be uh, a good candidate for that service. Very cool. I'll definitely check that out. Well, Samantha, any other questions? Mm, nope. Okay, it's good because i got to check my email. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, thank you for that. Where can people find you and more of these tips? 
they can find me at makeitsnappyshow.com. If they want to check out my podcast, it's makeitsnappyshow.com forward slash podcast. Very good. Thank you. You don't give out your email. Uh, <laughs> they'll have to hunt for that one. <laughs> they, they work hard enough, they'll find That's it. That's pretty good. And I'll check, <laughs> I'll check it once a day. So. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Have a great one. sure to visit horselovers.com all spring long for everything you need to get ready to ride this spring. Horselovers.com's got show tack, working tack, training aids, and the latest in safety gear and show apparel, whether you ride English or Western. We all get in a rut when it comes to shopping for horse supplies online. If you have not tried horselovers.com yet, then you are missing out on one of the world's largest online tack shops and all the best brands like Noble Outfitters, Ariat, Turn 2, Tough One, Professional's Choice, Weaver, and many, many more. So get on over to horselovers.com today and save on all your riding needs. And this word just in, Horse Lovers has extended the coupon code HRN for another month. Get 10% off your order. That's HRN. Use it as a coupon code at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your next order at horselovers.com. Well, Samantha, this year we've been doing the Year of the Listener. We figured that we've been around for nine years now and that we should uh, get to know our listeners a little better. And it's been so much fun getting to know our listeners We've had one on every week here on the Stable Scoop Show since the beginning of the year. I think it's a great idea. It is, and it's it's been so much fun. Our numbers are way up on Stable Scoop, and uh, our number of people joining the auditors is way up. And I just think it's been it's been so much fun for Helene and I, because this is why we do the show is for for the listeners. So let's get to know another one today. Her name is Avery Morgan. <laughs> It is the year of the listener. And now, our Stable Scoop Listener of the Week. Well, hi, Avery. Thank you so much for being the Listener of the Week. Hi, Glenn and Samantha. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you're in Washington State, and we have a lot of listeners out in Washington State. Are there a lot of horses in Washington State? There are. I I live in ranching country, so we have a lot of working horses but there are near closer to the um metropolitan areas there are a lot of um, show barns and horse stuff around so are you and very- my, my favorite eventer maya black yeah she's, she's out here go maya yeah now are you, maya you. has to drive eight thousand miles anytime she goes to a horse show <laughs> <laughs> yeah although not anymore because i think she's been based on the east coast for a couple of years although she did go back yeah for yeah, I don't think she's been out here. Uh, she competed at Rebecca Farms last year, I believe. But that's yeah. not Washington, but that's Northwest. But yeah. Although she still represents Washington State. So go, Maya. She hasn't, yes. forgot, she hasn't forgotten where she's from. <laughs> and I feel her pain. I know it's about a four-hour drive for me to go to a horse show. So I know mm-hmm. how that feels. Oh, so you're up at three in the morning, heading out at four. Mm. Yep. Yep. All the time. <laughs> I yes. know that routine. That's how it was when we when we showed. Well, now you are you very rural where you are? I am. I live in a town of about three thousand people, and uh, the closest closest big city is two hours away. So, Got it. Pretty uh, rural. 
Although, Glenn, I remember when um, Jess Montgomery and I did a venting radio show, um, you set us up to do a, a, an interview with the organizer of Aspen Farms, and Jess and I were like, what? Who is this? Where is this? And where is this? Like, way out somewhere? And then after we talked to him, we were like, next year we have to go. That sounds so amazing and so beautiful, and oh, my God. And we were totally converted to that. So have you ever been there? I haven't competed there. I'm thinking about maybe doing one of their fall um, horse trials this, um, this fall, but I've been up there to watch my trainer, and it's such a beautiful facility and just wonderful people. Yeah, it sounds like it. Well, Avery, does that mean you're an eventer? I am. I do mostly eventing, a little bit of dressage, and I've dabbled in some raining and ranch sorting and just about everything actually but wow. preventing is my my passion tell us about your ponies oh well, i actually have four i have i still have my first pony she's 36 now uh, she's an appaloosa quarter horse cross wow um she's a little smudge and she's she's still feisty um but she's retired just living the good life and then i have two thoroughbreds 36, um, 36. i was thinking 36. that too <laughs> yep Yep. And then I have my two thoroughbreds. I have mom and her son, Freddie. Um, I've had Freddie his whole life. And then I bought mom while she was pregnant. Um, she was supposed to be my next eventer when I retired Smudge, but she got a an injury. And just recently, I think we were able to start doing some, some dressage competitions because she healed, but she was never even. And so we were marked down for lameness, even though she wasn't truly lame she was just uneven um and freddie's coming along we're doing some eventing this year with him and then i have my mustang sassy and she and i do mostly dressage but we've done a little bit of everything we did high school equestrian team and we've even run barrels together so <laughs> and, and was the mustang all around was the mustang out of sassy. one of the pens how did you get the mustang so she was, her mother was captured off the Steens Mountain um, Kiger herd management area and sold while still pregnant. And so Sassy was born in captivity. And they, the Kiger Mustangs, they like them to be buckskin with very little white. And she is a blood bay with a lot of white. And so she didn't fit into the breeding program that um, her mom was purchased for. And so she was sent off to a auction with a lot of kill buyers. And a friend of mine rescued her. And she just turned out to be too much horse um, for my friend. And so I started riding her. And then uh, she was gifted to me when I graduated high school. And she's been my baby ever since. Wow, that's Aww, very cool. What a great story. And is she, um, is she quite small or quite big? Is she a typical Mustang? And what's she like to ride and what's she like character-wise? Yeah, she's, she's quite a character. She definitely lives up to her name, Sassy. Um, <laughs> she's, for a Mustang, she's a big girl. She's about 15 one hand. And she's very Spanish-looking. Um, to be Kyger, we had her DNA tested, and she tested at about 98% Spanish barb. Um, so she's... She's very Spanishy. She's got the big neck and the flowing mane, mm. uh, and she's she's a lot of fun to ride. She she really enjoys to work, and so she's not. That's the only time she's not sassy is when you're riding her. So she's she's a lot of fun. We've been doing some second level dressage. 
And what do the judges say about you having the Mustang in there? You know, she so she's not branded because she was actually born in at a private facility. Ah, okay. And so they don't know. I actually, I every once in a while I get a comment, what type of horse is she? You know, or is she an Andalusian or a Lusitana? So I've never had had issues with her being a Mustang. I, when people find out, I do get, wow, she's so pretty for a Mustang or... <laughs> Yeah, I can't believe she's a Mustang, but I think she's a good representation of the breed because she's, you know, she's pretty stunning. You said in the notes that you gave us uh, when we asked if you were married, you said they all run the other way when we hear about the four (laughs) horses. Has that been an issue on a serious note? Well, you know, it's kind of funny. You, You go out with a guy or you talk to them and then they find out you have four horses and somehow they just kind of, never go out on a second date every once in a while there's a guy who sticks around until i'm too busy i think it's the busy thing because i'm always doing horse stuff and don't have time don't take time out of my life for a guy well on a serious note that is one of the things that drove me a little nuts when jennifer and i were dating and Mm -hmm. if i had any thoughts that this wasn't going to work out it was because there you really get no time as the boyfriend, um, yeah, it is an issue. You know, it is a it's a serious issue. It is, and I think that you know it, it needs to. You have to have your priorities, and at least I'm still very young, so guys are not too big of a concern right now. Or finding a husband isn't, but I think it's it comes down to prior priorities, and horses are are definitely my priority. I'm not going to give up. You know four or five hours of my weekend. Well, the one thing you go. do, one thing you do know is when you find the one that's willing to put up with it all, they might be the right one. Exactly. That's what I figured. It's, it's better to not waste my time with, with the guys who, who are not going to like it when I leave for the whole weekend to go to a horse show until the, the right one comes along and he'll, he'll tolerate that. Or he'll go along. He'll come with you. There you <laughs> right. He'll exactly. sit there in the chair watching dressage endlessly for hours. Videoing. Videoing exactly. dressage. <laughs> Videoing dressage. Yes. Yes. I do have jobs for them to do if they want to tag carrying, along. But. Carrying buckets, videoing dressage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yes. So tell uh, us, where is the most adventurous place you've ever ridden? I mean, you ride an adventurous horse. You took on a Mustang when you were a teenager. So, I mean, that's something. Uh, and, by the way, did yes. your friend think that your bones break less than hers when she yep she yeah. she was she, she was middle-aged at that point and uh she figured i would bounce a little bit more okay and, all right yeah because we all know teenage that, bones don't break <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly so yeah well kind of along that whole mustang idea the most adventurous place i've ever ridden when i was um probably about nine or ten my parents um we moved just for the summer to a wild horse um, rescue where they take Mustangs that just don't fit into the, the adoption program or have sat at the facilities, you know, for so long. So they, they take these Mustangs and they return them to a wild situation. They had about 2,000 acres. Um, and I can't remember how many horses they had, but they had several herds and they, you know, they had herd stallions and, and mares and, um, and there were bachelor stallions, and every once in a while, when I would go out riding with my mare, you know, I would take Smudge out, and we would encounter a herd stallion, or especially the bachelor stallion bands, and they would try to steal her, 
and we'd have to take off galloping across the fields or around the trees and through the hills to try to get away. Okay, that's terrifying. <laughs> they would try to steal her while you're on her. Oh, yes. They wanted to claim her as their <gasps> as their mayor for their band. Nothing dangerous so, about that. <laughs> looking back now, I, I, I thought it was a bad idea. Yeah. It was a lot of fun at the time. Did, so and no one ever thought to tell you not to go out riding on your own? Or... <laughs> no. No, my, you know, everyone, that was what they did. They took a lot of rides out through the, through the Mustang um, territory. And when they did the ride, like the, the dude ranch type rides, you know, there were enough horses and most of them were geldings that they never really had an issue with the, the herd stallions. But when it was just, my friend and I would go out and it, she was on a gelding, but that wasn't much deterrent. For the stallions. No, they so want to beat have them to up. Take off. <laughs> so this oh, is yeah. maybe a stupid question, but so the bachelor stallions, can they tell from quite far away, like the gelding and the mare, and even if your mare's not in season or in heat or they, they just, yeah, they, they seem to, cause they would, you know, they would try to, they would come in and they would try to chase her horse away and try to circle around and drive me and Smudge back towards the, the band. Yeah, I'm with Glenn. Um, that would terrify me. And uh, yeah, so we had to do some, some quick maneuvering and, and gallop away. And I don't they, know. Most of them didn't, my, my, didn't spend we, too much work. I had three brothers. There were four of us. And that sounds like the equivalent of my mom saying to us when she was mad at us, please go play in the road. I mean, it really <laughs> it's kind of equivalent to that. <laughs> I'm trying, to think, I'm trying to think who it was at that event when the stallion got loose and started chasing after um, the rider on cross-country. I'm trying to think who it was. But that was terrible. I've seen that video, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. That, we yeah. don't recommend that. Let's just say for, the, no. for, my, for my insurance sake, we really don't recommend you go riding your yeah, mare don't try in, that in the group of stallions. <laughs> no, it's not a good idea. <laughs> nope, I was young and dumb and... And I mean, we had plenty of uneventful rides, but every once in a while we'd come across a, a herd and had to turn and run. <laughs> <laughs> it's good you had a fast mare. That's all I got to say. So, yeah. uh, so you, when did you find the Horse Radio Network? I know you said you listened to Samantha on the Eventing Radio Show. Yeah, I think I've been listening to the Eventing Radio Show for at least... That was the first one I found. I think I just one day I... Googled eventing in in iTunes and came across um, that podcast probably about six years ago, seven years ago, and started listening and listened all through college. And then when I got out of college, I worked uh, temporarily at a, at a winery about an hour away, and I needed something to listen to in the car. And so I started listening to Horses in the Morning and Stable Scoop and got hooked and um, I've just been listening almost a year since then, so for, to everything. Well, very good. Well, th we thank you for that. Thank you for and thank you for being an auditor too. We, oh yes, we appreciate thank that. Thank you for tell uh, all you do. Why do you like being an auditor? Why I would really, you, you know, let me rephrase <laughs> that. Why would you recommend it to somebody who is not? <laughs> to somebody who is not. Well, you know, I really I enjoy supporting you guys. I think that. For me, it just makes me happy knowing that uh, I'm contributing to something I enjoy. I get a lot of enjoyment out of, and um, and then the auditor Facebook page is just—it's hilarious and such a wonderful group of, of people, and everyone's 
so supportive and, and never negative and just the best best Facebook group I belong to for by a long shot. Well, we're doing an auditor meetup next year in March. You'll have to fly out from Washington to see us here in Florida. It's on my calendar. Yay! That'd be fun. <laughs> we're going to do it during Live Oak, uh, Samantha. Oh, so fun. we're going to go over for the marathon at Live Oak in March, and then we're going to do zip lining and kayaking and whatever else we can find to do around Ocala. I uh, have a big barbecue I'm, at the farm here at the studio, so that'll be fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. So I'm and Samantha, you might even be down here then. So we'll have to, uh, if you are, we'll have to get you over for it. If I'm not, I'll have to make sure and be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Well, th- well we... Wait. Can yep. we do rapid-fire questions? Yep, that's right. We go into rapid-fire questions next, and Samantha's going to lead the way. Are you Kay. ready, Avery? Fingers I on the buzzers. Am. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite food? Chocolate. Yes. What is it? Chocolate. Chocolate. Oh, brilliant. What is your least favorite food? Raisins, I would have to say. <laughs> that's a first. Uh-huh. What is your biggest cooked in anything? Yeah, me too. Jennifer's mom puts raisins in her stuffing at Christmas and Thanksgiving. It's like, oh, I pick them up. I just can't eat them. Yeah, I have people that do that, and I always have to pick them out. Neither of you are coming to lunch. What is your biggest (laughs) equestrian pet peeve? Uh, Probably, I think it's people who view horses as an object to success or to recognition versus an animal and a partner that they're working with and sharing a, a journey with. Good answer. Do you have a favorite professional or celebrity equestrian? I'd have to say Elisa Wallace because she takes yeah. off the track thoroughbreds and Mustangs and does some amazing stuff with, with both breeds. Yes, she does. What career other than one with horses would you like to try? Um, I've always wanted to be a, a wildlife biologist um, and do research. So, and I, I may still attempt that. I have to go back to grad school, but it's, it's on the list. These are great answers. Did you have the questions beforehand? Um, <laughs> what is the most terrifying thing you've ever done, and would you do it again? Most terrifying thing. Um, I feel like we answered I, that one already. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I took a trip to Mesa Verde a few years ago and went to one of their cliff dwelling tours where they take you down into the cliff dwelling. And before we started, the guy said, this is going to be an Indiana Jones style trip. And I didn't think I was afraid of heights, but we got up on this 80 foot ladder on the open side of a cliff and I was afraid of heights, and that was definitely the most terrifying thing I've ever done. Probably would not do it again. If you could have just one superhero power, what would it be? Superhero power... I think I would like to be able to um, read people's minds or animals, especially animals' minds. Aw. And well then, if your, horse, if your horse could speak, what single question would you ask her? Um, I think I would, I would probably ask Smudge, the, the 36 year old, I would ask her if she has had a really good life and, and enjoyed, enjoyed everything that we did. And, and, uh, is she happy? I guess that would be my main, my main question for her. Is she happy? Avery, that was so good. 
Well, Avery, thank you so much for joining us. And again, thank you for listening to, uh, to all the shows. And thank you so much for being an auditor. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. Well, this Tack and Habit segment is sponsored by Horselovers.com. And as usual, we have a product review for you. And today we have Coach Jen of the, of the Horse Tip Daily Show stopping by because she tested this product. Hello, Jennifer. Hello. How's Sammy, Sammy? Hey. <laughs> it's like the old days with the three of us together. Just like the old days. Nothing's changed. <laughs> we all look exactly the same. That's true. I'm not any grayer. No. Samantha Although, still looks terrific. We saw her at Rolex. We do have new products. I went riding the other day and um you I did think riding? I know. Well, and I did cool. think to myself, if I had a horse again, I would have to buy all new stuff because there's so much new stuff on the market that I've never <laughs> even seen before. And I that, guess you're going to tell us about some of the stuff. I will say that, you know, we've been going to Ada now for 14 times, seven years, eight years. And this, in the last three years, we have seen more product innovation than Jennifer and I have seen in the last 20 years since we've been in the retail business. Wouldn't you, know, you say, Jennifer? The innovation? Yeah, they're kind of they're on fire right now with uh, new product innovation. Yeah, I, the... The market crash. Everybody was comfortable when the market was going like gangbusters. Nobody had to invent anything because everybody bought stuff anyway. And then in 2008, 2009, the economy went south. And everybody said, oh, I'm not going to invent anything now. And now that things are starting to spring back a little bit, everybody's a little bit motivated to get clever. And I'm liking it. Well, what are you, what are you reviewing today? Well, one of the things that somebody has gotten clever with is this saddle pad. It's the Latia Hex Pad. And it is $85.49 at horselovers.com. And as near as I can tell, that's the only place you can get it. Cool. And it's a, a standard-looking square saddle pad. The one I got was an all-purpose. Um, I think they also make it in dressage. But the under the saddle part, where you would maybe typically put a half pad, is filled with this stuff. I don't know what you call it. It looks like bubble wrap, but it's not. <laughs> but it but it has little bubbly things that are full of air, kind of like bubble wrap does. But when you squeeze them, they squish, unlike bubble wrap, which pops. That's the best explanation I can give to you because the website doesn't really tell you what it is. So it must be top secret NASA stuff that they stole or something. I don't know. Um, but it's really kind of cool because you can have just a normal looking square saddle pad, but have the advantages of that air filled half pad built right in. And Which it's I got the me. honeycomb pattern on the outside. Uh, yeah, from the outside, yep. it looks just like a regular quilted square saddle pad. Right. Yeah. And then under the underneath part on the horse's back, it's lined. I want to call it Cool Max, but I don't think that's what it is. It looks like Cool Max, but the underneath of the saddle part is, is lined with something very, very thin that looks like it would breathe really well. Uh, it's a nice, substantial-feeling saddle pad. It's not that wimpy cotton that wears out after two years so it would be great for showing it's nice and substantial and it's going to hold up and looks really pretty can you wash it you can wash it now i th i just threw mine in the washing machine this morning to see how it would go the only disadvantage when you wash it is it wants to float 
Oh, because of the air and the because <laughs> of the air in the little hex thing. He's in the top. Um, so if you have a front loading machine, that's ideal. But if you don't, if you use a regular uh, top loading machine, you might want to put the barn towels on top to kind of get it Did down. It into the like water. float right out of the water. It just floated on the top. Yeah, you could use it as a flotation device in case you fall into the water jump. There you go. <laughs> like Absolutely. in the airplane. There you go. Underneath your seat is the flotation device, and that's this too. Another reason to buy a saddle pack. <laughs> now, this one does not have the little Velcro strap that hooks to your billets to hold it still. And some folks hate those because they find them messy or unnecessary. It doesn't have them. It has a uh, what's a buttonhole for the girth to go through instead of that cheesy-looking piece of nylon that they usually sew onto it which looks very neat and crisp and beautiful. Uh, the only disadvantage being if your all-purpose saddle has a longer flap, it's not in the right spot, which was the case with my saddle. It's going to fit on a close contact saddle perfectly, but depending on the flap length of your saddle, it may or may not fit. That being said, I didn't use it, and the saddle pad stayed put just fine. It didn't go anywhere. Mm. So that was good. Uh, despite what it says in the in the... Website description, the tag on the actual saddle pad says, don't put it in the dryer. So mm. I didn't. Uh, I imagine if you put it in the dryer on air, you might be safe. But I just hung mine on the fence. It, it said right on the tag, drip dry. So that's what we did with it. Uh, so overall, I would say it's a very nicely made saddle pad. It looks really good, so you can use it for showing. And it's a great alternative if you need that half pad protection because your horse wants some shock absorption. But you don't want to have to have two saddle pads because they can get messy and they're pain in the ass when the wind's blowing and saddle pad blows off when you're trying to put the saddle on and stuff. So, and what colors does it come in? What color is yours? Do you know what color I got it comes the in? I got the white one and it comes in black. So it's very standard, very classic. So a lot of folks want a nice fancy saddle pad for showing in, but they don't want braid and bling and yeah, it's it's not. It's very simple. It's very traditional looking. The foam padding where it's quilted on the rest of the saddle pad that doesn't have the hex in it is thin enough that you could probably get embroidered if you wanted to have like your initials embroidered on it or something. Yeah. Sounds nice. Sounds like you liked it too. Yeah, it's very nice. I, I put it on Nigel and his back went, ooh, ah. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, thank you, Jennifer, for stopping by. Of course, you can find this at horselovers.com. Just search for Latia Hexpad. Uh, as she said, it's 8550 and uh, that's all, you, and we'll also put a link in our show notes. You can also find it on our show notes at stablescoop.com, and we'll put a link in our Facebook page as well. Thanks a bunch, Jennifer. See you later. You can also find Jennifer over at Horse Tip Daily for has almost fourteen hundred tips over there now. Go back and take a listen. Search for the tips you want. There's all kinds of search features in there. You can just search for dressage, or if you want a tip on backing up, just search backing up. Whatever you want, just uh, give it a search, and you'll find whole bunches of tips from a whole bunches of different people. Uh, Heading over there right now to do a tip on training tactics for barn sour horses. Perfect. Thank you, Jennifer. Well, thank you so much, Samantha, for stopping by. Where can people find you? Uh, they can find Eventing me. Nation. Eventing Nation, I guess. And WUKY has a website. And uh, every now and then I have things up on there. And they can find me at the Kentucky Horse Park wandering around with Leo. That's right. And- <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, and it is getting, you know, it's funny earlier in the show, you said more and more 
you know, the after effects of the 2010, when we were there this time a month ago and drove around Lexington, the number of sport horse people buying farms there is incredible. I know that's one of the things they hoped for, but we weren't too sure if it was going to happen, but I am shocked at the number that have. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... Uh, you know what I'm happy about? These big thoroughbred farms who are selling out, some of them aren't being put into houses. They're being put into smaller sport horse farms, and I'd rather see that than put into houses for sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's very cool. Well, this has been, yeah, this has been so much fun, Glenn. And it was, uh, Avery was so nice. It was so nice to talk to her. And she was so great at all the questions. I'm really impressed. And you can we find We have details. smart listeners, Samantha. We, Totally do. We're the best. Anyway, for details about today's show, you can go to stablescoop.com. And did you know you can get the HRN app on your iOS? Is it iOS? iOS, yep. iOS or Android Android phone. Search for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and super easy to use. Be sure to log in uh, next week for another episode of Stable Scoop. Helena should be back next week. Um, we And congratulations to her relative that had a college graduation. That was pretty cool. We also love your feedback. Join us on Facebook at Stable Scoop or follow our tweets so you can find us at Horse Radio on Twitter. And are you still tweeting a light way like crazy? Not like crazy, but I'm still tweeting. Yeah, what's your tweet, tweeter name? Samantha L. Clark. Samantha L. Clark on Twitter. Actually, when, when there's events going on, I know Samantha's going to be at, that's what I just watch because I can keep totally <laughs> up to date on what's going on because she literally does not stop. I don't know how she has time to even watch the event. Yep. Uh, yeah, but that's how you can keep on, uh, up on what's going on. Be sure to visit all the other great shows. Remember, we have two new ones, the Rodeo Marketing Show and also Healthy Critters Radio. They are now on the app. And also on the app, you can listen live now to Horses in the Morning. Weren't able to do that before, but you're able to do that now. And everybody says it's it's actually a little better. The sound's a little better on the app than it is on your computer. I don't know why, but uh, you can do all of that on the app. And that's it. We're done. That's it, Samantha. Well, there'll be more next week. Until then, happy scooping. <laughs>